People have ideas all the time. Where do you find your ideas anyway? And what makes a good idea great? And what gets in your way? Do you know when your creative font is about to bubble up? And what are you going to do about it? That's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast. Honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. What do you have over there, Jen? Oh my goodness, this is this uh, crazy apple cinnamon mojito nonsense. Mm. It's delicious. It's got slices of apple and some fresh mint and simple syrup and this Havana Club white rum that's so yummy. Havana Club white rum makes me want to travel. How about you? Oh, I would love, yes. Cuba sounds so exotic. Let's do it. And retro. <laughs> yeah, it's a great drink because, you know, it's late October and it's still 70 degrees, so you feel like you want a summer drink, but it's fall in Michigan, which means apple cider is required. So this one is a good mix. It's a nice toast to fall. All right. So let's answer some of those questions that we just posed. Um, where do you find your ideas? At the bottom of a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes that happens. What are the, so what are the ingredients for you for finding that idea? You know, this is not just as entrepreneurs solving problems inside of our own organizations, but creativity really is the service in which we're providing. So how, when you're under deadline, when you're under pressure, when you're stuck, how do you figure it out? Gosh, when I'm under deadline, I have no idea. I suppose when, with a good staff that in our industries, we usually have a team of people solving a problem, which is kind of nice. I always think of this, where do your ideas come from? When I look at people I admire who have great ideas, and I think, how did that come into his brain? Where did she think of that? And I find that so interesting. But I don't know. Maybe we'll find the answer to that question. So my question then is, I find it both interesting and frustrating when people say, oh, well, they just are creative. And I've always had this barrier of whether I've related to myself as a creative in my professional career. And I do think I'm a creative person, but I'm not creative in the same way that my staff is creative. And it kind of bugs me when people say, oh, well, they just are creative. Because I feel like to be good at anything, there's a rigor. That's true. So if you're a great painter, it's because you've painted a thousand paintings and you've done, you've, you know what style you are. And the same for a writer and the same for an engineer or an athlete, That's right? true. My husband has an engineering degree and I remember going to something when he graduated from college and the speaker talked about how creative engineers were. And it was the first time that that concept had ever come into my mind because people are labeled as creatives or as scientists or whatever, but every industry takes creativity, every, every industry in all of its problem solving. And I remember that many, many years later, I remember that comment. Well, and I think I think our economy, especially in Michigan right now, we're really focused on being innovators and that those innovators and those entrepreneurs are the ones that are going to pull us forward. And I, and I believe that we do. That's true. You know, back, back to the question of where do you find your ideas, we had a client meeting very end of day on Friday, and it was really exciting. The client was touring us around their space, and we were all taking notes like crazy, such good ideas. And I found myself waking up Saturday morning with ideas about what to do about it, thinking, oh, we need to name it this, and we need to think about this for signage. And something about that client meeting, the mix of people we had, and then being in my space where I could have some time all together made Saturday morning really productive for me when it came to coming up with those ideas. 
So I don't know what the magic was there, but it worked. But if you were a person who related to your Saturday morning as a not working time, that would have been really inconvenient. (laughs) Karen, do you have any not working times? No. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think that to my point is you don't control when it happens. No. So you almost have to know how to create An an environment for creativity to happen. So for me, it's often space. It's I need to walk away from the thing I'm doing. Often it's outside. Um, Very often it's outside. And whether that's in the dead of winter, um, shoveling the sidewalk or on the slopes, or whether that's just walking through the woods in the spring or fall on a trail that I love, there's something about completely disconnecting from whatever I'm going through and being present that kind of opens up a, a spot for for creativity to land. For thinking big thoughts. Yeah. I think mine. Or my shower. (laughs) Sometimes nobody's bothering me. I had an idea in the shower the other day and I had to get out and I muttered it to myself and muttered it and muttered it until I could get to a notepad to write it down. (laughs) Um, But water is really important to me. I mean, uh, I don't know what it is about water. I'm a Pisces. Maybe that's what it is. Watching the river flow, seeing the waves lap back and forth. And Saturday I I was at the lake, so I had some time to really just look at things and think of them. And the oxygen of being outside, I, mm-hmm. oxygen is a is a good thing for your brain. Yeah, maybe that's the same thing for, you know, when I go walking or hiking. It's not just the space of being outside, but it's being active and not sitting still. That's true. Nobody, letting your blood flow. I wonder if anybody ever had their most brilliant idea sitting at their cluttered desks with three empty coffee mugs sitting around. I don't think that's where ideas are. No, I don't think so either. But I do think that it requires rigor, just like any other discipline, like I was saying earlier. But I also don't think that it happens in a vacuum. I think creativity requires practice and tenacity. Not every idea is creative. You have to get lots and lots of them out there. And, and we're not talking the kind of idea that you can find on Pinterest. Pinterest is a great tool. It's a great place to spend your time. But we're talking the kind of idea that makes you gasp and go, aha, or that someone hasn't seen before, or that might take over your mind and your brain for a really long time. And that's, I think, where the rigor comes in, too, because getting an idea like that and growing it and practicing getting getting ideas in your pocket is an important place, don't you think? I do. And I think that for me, creativity doesn't happen in a vacuum. I think that um, in order for an idea to live and to grow and to take shape and to have people gasp and for people to get behind whatever that idea is, that it happens when you share. And so whether you share it with people so that they become inspired by your idea and want to participate or whether you're sharing it, for example, in our offices where you know, somebody shares an idea and it grows and molds and evolves as people contribute to it. I think that it's almost like when we're in our offices brainstorming at that level, we become a collective brain. And it's really exhilarating when that happens. What one person births into the world, someone can add to, someone else can change, someone can say, oh, and what if we? And those kinds of things can really make an idea grow and roll. It's like, um, have you ever been out with friends or having a cocktail and somebody says, you know what we should do? And someone else says, oh, yeah, and then we could. And then we all laugh and it's wonderful. But great ideas are born that way. It's kind of exciting. Like this podcast. <laughs> Isn't it a great idea? <laughs> it's a bar. fabulous idea. We were not drinking apple mojitos that night. I don't no. remember what we had. I was so sick, remember. So yes. I was drinking something hot to numb my throat. You know the other thing about sort of keeping your great ideas? I think you have to let them sit for a while. I think you have to let them incubate. 
I have ideas that have been floating around in my head for years, and it might take it might take years for them to find the space and the time and the team to come to fruition. We had a really great campaign oh, a few years ago, and when the client called me, he said, remember two years ago when we were talking about such and such, and now is the time, I've got some funding, let's do it. And that idea just sat on the table between us after a random conversation for two years before it was ready. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, in the end, we won a bunch of awards for it. He won a big fat grant. Everybody's happy. But not every idea is ready to go when it first comes out. There is a bit of magic to when the planets align to allow it to happen. My business partner, as you know, uh, talked about a sculpture competition for five years before anybody actually stopped to truly listen to what he was saying and what the sculpture competition would make possible. Um, and we have a friend who has walked every city, street, every block in this whole city and is now working on a book to yeah. encapsulate her her experience and what she learned. And I think those are huge ideas. And there are reasons why anybody would say no to those. Right. And just the walking took so much time. And then she had to sort of sit on it for a while and think it through and figure out how that would manifest in its book. These things don't happen overnight, not the big ones, not the fun ones. Well, and, and then, it, then it makes you wonder, how many ideas do people have that never come to fruition because of a barrier, right? Because of perceived or not perceived. Uh, why is it that we say no to ourselves? Why right. do other people say no to us? Have you ever looked at an idea and thought, gosh, that would be great, I just don't have the time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think especially more at home than at work. But, yeah, I think there's always ideas for, you know, things that our family could take on or, you know, projects and, and fun like that. But um, Or even my own painting. I used to paint before I had children, and I stopped painting when I became pregnant, and um, I haven't gone back. And that's for sure See, I think- out there. I think you will, you know, being on the other end of kids. My children are a bit older than yours. I, when I first had kids, all the plants in my house died. It took me six years of dead plants before I had the capacity to both parent and keep green things alive. So, Because <laughs> you were keeping little humans alive. Keeping little humans alive is important. So maybe the painting or the green thumb take a back seat for a moment, but they come back. And they will. And I think, too, or I, had, I find myself adopting... Um, and being inspired by the interests of especially my older son. That's true. So, uh, but there are other barriers. It's not just time. I think that um, I've seen I've seen great ideas killed in a team environment because of ego, mm. which is so frustrating because someone sometimes, and, and this does not exist with my current team at all, but I have seen the loudest voice gets the best idea award somehow right. in a group, and which is not right. Because you have to allow, I, I really watched my introverts and my extroverts around the table and how they were, were or were not willing to share what they had on their mind or forcing ourselves to take the time to circle back on that conversation because somebody then has mentally digested that idea. And so then those quieter voices, those introverts can then say what it is they need to say. So I think sometimes a barrier to creativity is, is ego Someone won't let go of an idea because they think that they're right, or it's just about managing personalities and managing communication styles. I would I would chalk it up a little bit more to communication styles necessarily than being an introvert. I think that even an extrovert can have a different communication style in a team brainstorming environment, and politics and age and gender, and there's lots of things that play into that. So sometimes a voice doesn't get heard 
So it's our job as leaders, I suppose, to make sure those voices get heard. I think there's plenty of self-defeat um, that can kill ideas, whether that's comparison as an innovation killer or your own assumptions about time or money or acceptance of an idea. Comparison is a big one. I think you look at somebody who's had amazing ideas, either in your own industry that you don't know or someone in your neighborhood that you do know, and you think, well, he's the kind of guy who has those ideas. She's the kind of person who comes up with those things. I'm not. So that kind of comparison um, is not healthy. And you know, for all you know, maybe that person was thinking the same thing and they got past that barrier somehow. So comparison is a really dangerous game to play. It's not very healthy. How do you keep track of your big ideas? Like, for example, some of our ideas tactically here at Render, we actually have a place where we document um, our inspiration pieces and we call it the farm. It's this little fertile ground yeah. of places where we where each team member tucks away ideas and we share it um, to make sure that all of the ideas are feeling balanced, like they all represent all of us, right? So we're different kinds of crops, I suppose, right. in that in that farm. I used to also keep, uh, because I used to do so much creative writing, I had a journal. When I would come upon somebody in real life that I found would, was a character, I would make up whatever their story was. Oh, and I would fun. journal every day about somebody, I, a stranger I had seen, and I would create their character. And I would go into that journal every now and then and create those characters and use them. Do they become basis for shorts or that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. And, cool. um, or just writings that haven't become shorts yet. But uh, what do you do to kind of track your ideas? In, for myself, I have two to-do lists. I have my daily to-do list, the things that are programmatic and required to get through billing or get through birthing a creative idea in the studio. But I also have a, a to-do list that's the aspirational, ridiculous goal things. And it might be something as random as this is the idea I have for a book, or what if we, and then I will sketch out what that event might be. And then I keep that goal list, even if they're super aspirational and weird, and I add to it. And if I flip to a new page, I rewrite that list. And if things keep burning and they keep feeling pertinent to me, usually they will bubble up. But I think we, we spend so much time on our boring to-do lists that we need to go back to having that rigor and have the time to think about the what-if parts of your life. Mm -hmm. um, in our last episode, we were talking about human resources. And do you do you ever have, and we joked about how human resources is never on a to-do list, <laughs> but do you ever feel like what if we has to do with what you want to do with your organization? Do you, do you tuck away those ideas there too? We use Basecamp as a project management tool, and I have a whole Basecamp job filled with boss lady thoughts, ideas, where things could go, um, what we should do random writings that I use to sort of lead the organization. As an organization, we, you know, we have a chalkboard, an old school green chalkboard, and that's where we all start to put ideas, phrases, interesting things that come up. And if something sticks for a while, then then we move it and, and try to grow it. So I, I have piles of places to put my ideas. It's probably not as programmatic as it could be, but hey. But that's a rigor. I think writing them down, I've actually been present when I've seen you run over the chalkboard and write down a phrase, even if it was just a funny phrase. Um, it was just something that kind of, uh, I, I saw your eyes kind of sparkle and light up a little bit. So you needed that for, for some day in the future. For some day in the future. I'm also um, killer at writing on my hand. On the back of my hand, like some teenager, if I get an idea, um, that's the place where I will remember it. It's funny. You know, though, part of, I think, making space for 
for creative ideas is really reducing your decision count. I think two years ago, I was feeling really overwhelmed, so I made the decision to not change my jewelry, and I picked a pair of earrings and a necklace, and I wear them every single day because that was one less decision I had to make in the morning. Because what if I only have a certain number of good ideas or decisions that I can comprehend in a day? I don't want to waste it on what I'm going to wear or what my breakfast is going to look like. So I reduce those decision counts so that my brain can think of new things instead of those monotonous things. That's That's been a good tactic for me. Do you have any of those things that you do at work where you're reducing your decision count? Like, I trust you. I don't need to make that decision. Or, and or, how do you balance getting into some programmatic habits and making sure you don't get into a rut? I think, gosh, that's a darn good question, Karen. Why all the hard questions today? Sorry. <laughs> um, as a creative director, I have to remember that everybody on my team has a really good answer to a creative problem. So I have to very carefully check myself and say, you know, once we know what our direction is for a client, I stop and say, does anybody need me here or have you guys got it? And then they say, oh, we've got it. I know I can step away so I can put my creative juices elsewhere. So knowing when to pass that idea off and when to let your team handle it really helps grow an idea and your capacity for good ideas as an organization. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, there's there's this whole separate conversation about creativity and ideas, which takes something from idea to flight to execution, right? So that's that's for sure one or two right. podcasts in, in and of itself, because being able to get past your barrier and really let something take flight is uh, is a whole separate conversation. And we'll, I'm sure we'll address that in an upcoming episode. Eventually. What is, your, what is your best place to come up with your ideas, Karen? I'm a person that really likes to be home. And so whether that's Like I said earlier, giving myself some space and taking a walk or being in nature, um, I feel like my mind is more open and that I can breathe more fully when I'm outside. But when I'm at home and my kids are awake, um, I'm pretty focused on them. But there's a safety and a comfort there where I feel less distracted at home once they are asleep and I'm able to really think on things. So whether it's very late at night or actually more often very early in the morning. There have been times where I've needed to solve lots of different kinds of uh, problems at work, whether that's been just entrepreneurship or um, HR or creative uh, creative for the client. And I've noticed where I wake up every morning at, you know, 4.11. And, you know, <laughs> while that's very annoying, it's like, okay, well, my brain's ready to go. And so I, I've stopped resisting that kind of, I'm just not a sleeper. So I've stopped resisting that and I'll just work. I'll get up and I'll do some reading or I'll jot down some thoughts. And sometimes I've given myself permission to just listen to what my brain is needing or what my body is needing and just go with it. Like your Saturday morning. Yeah. A few months ago, I found myself feeling really guilty doing that thing where you're you're doing X and you think in your head, I should do Y instead. I really should be working on that instead of what I'm doing now. And I just gave up and I gave myself permission and said, Whatever you're doing right now is exactly what you should be doing. And I've been practicing that, and it's really working for me, knowing that wherever my brain is taking me is probably where I need to go. And it it relieves stress somehow and lets the ideas flow a little bit more. 
I can imagine too that it's uh, if you don't address the thing that is that your mind or your heart is on right then, then that thing just becomes a distraction. It becomes a distraction to the thing that you moved on because you to the thing you should be doing right. right? And so then then everything's a distraction. And I don't imagine that like multitasking. I don't imagine that your mind working on all that at the same time is giving you an opening for creativity. Right. And I mean, we're grownups. We we can do it in the order that we want to do it, right? <laughs> Most times. <laughs> Most of the times. Most of the times. So, Karen, I was going to ask you about our takeaways for today. And first, I want to t- ask you about the takeaway on this drink. What did you like? You know, my favorite thing, I love cinnamon. Um, I'm a fan of cinnamon and cooking. Um, I think it does fun things uh, no matter what you use it in. And I think cinnamon and apples just go together so well. So I really, really am enjoying the way that this uh, mojito tastes, especially with the cinnamon. And I'm really liking that cinnamon stick because you can use it to twirl your glass around. It's it's like a swizzle stick, but much, much cooler. Or a straw, I oh. guess, if you're feeling particularly thirsty. <laughs> it could be a straw. I do have a story about a, a drink with a straw, but I'll save that for a different day. Uh-oh. I don't know. So what are our takeaways about creativity right now? I don't think people should buy into the myth that people either are or are not creative. I think big ideas and innovation are required in everybody's professional roles, regardless of what industry you're in. And I think that the people who are perceived as are creative is those folks are bringing um, some rigor to their lives. They're great painters because they do it all the time. They're great writers because they do it all the time. And I think that if you build some rigor into your life and then create a structure for creativity to kind of happen inside of, that um, that big idea will happen for you too. You cannot discount the magic of volume, idea after idea after idea, and try again and again. I'm fairly sure Thomas Edison didn't get the light bulb the first time around. There's lots of failure on the way, and even your failures can become the seed for the next idea. The other thing I would really like to think of as a takeaway is clearing the space. So whether that becomes reducing your decision count or cleaning your desk or getting to a place where you can be serene and there's not stuff getting in the way can really help you think big thoughts. And For you, that big thought might not be a creative idea. It could be a problem that you're solving at work. But all those problems that you're solving, the solutions are creative. You need to just make that space. You might have to kill a plant or two on the way. (laughs) (laughs) But, But clearing the decks really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Where can our listeners find us? Check us on Instagram at Easy Underground and on other social channels as well. You can search us on iTunes and, of course, come to thespeakeasypodcast.com to see all the beautiful photos of our mojito. Talk to you next time. Take care. So what are we talking about next time? Uh, We are talking about language, words. Words matter. They do matter. I don't know. In a time when 140 characters can have so much perceived meaning, have we diluted our language? I feel like it. For two people who certainly have a love of language, uh, next time we're going to dig in to see what words and phrases no longer have meaning for us and how we can be more intentional with our language to make a bigger impact on our own lives.